0: In this week's update, US rally is logically unjustified on what we can see now, but when did logic count? And where to from here? My name's Gary Davis. As always, this is General Advice Only. Please remember to like and subscribe to the video. Okay, let's start with some market perspective. There's no question that the US inflation data has changed expectations uh, quite significantly. However, we've got to remember that Part of the reason, or a good part of the reason, that the year-on-year comparisons uh, looked as encouraging as they did, is because the inflation rates in 2022 were so much higher, and so naturally we're seeing um, a significant uh, improvement, seemingly. And there was an improvement. You know, even on a month-on-month basis, there is an improvement. So I'm not saying that um, that headway is not being made against inflation. But the comparisons that everyone is uh, doing cartwheels over at the moment will not look the same uh, when we get to this stage next year, so we've just got to you know keep that sort of sobering thought in our mind that um that some of the current um euphoria about having beaten inflation um, may only be a a partially temporary result u s earnings season it's look it's mixed, but so far, it's okay. It's The beat rate is about where it normally sits in in the high 70% area. That's not unusual for the start of earnings season. The real proof will come over the next two to three weeks to see if that beat rate continues. But so far, it's okay. But what we are seeing, and maybe it got messed up a little bit last week because it was options expiry week in the States, and that always Brings out some weird and wonderful price actions, but we are seeing some um, responses from the market where the companies got uh, really good results and they got sold off. So you can look at that a couple of ways. You can say, well, that's just you know that's just the normal contrarian dynamics of the short-term market, or you can look at it and say, well, maybe there's a bit too much has been priced into stocks, and so whilst companies Beat expectations, um, some parts of the market at least were looking for even better and had priced in even better. So I just you know, remain cautious in this sort of environment uh, on stocks that have had substantial runs. I, I just don't think you want to be buying into um, that sort of exuberance. Bit too dangerous in, in this sort of environment. So, what is critical for equities? Um, but certainly about earnings growth. Earnings growth comes from having pricing power. And it also comes from being in a sector that's got long-term structural tailwinds. And for several years now, I've been just totally focused on those sorts of stocks. And if stocks aren't in megatrends with long-term structural tailwinds, and and they don't have pricing power, then I'm just not interested. Don't even bother to look any further. So, I've certainly maintained a very narrow focus over the last couple of years. The second thing that is critical is, and you know, whether you agree with it from a valuation perspective or not, is just the dynamics of the market. There is a lot of cash on the sideline. Um, and so, we're seeing money flowing into the market, we're seeing money flowing into certain sectors and rotating from sectors. To others, Um, and that seems to be more important than the than the um, simple valuations. The market's looking or is responding more to that dynamic than it is fretting about what might appear to be excessive valuations. So again, really important to just follow the money with a clear plan of how you manage risk. All that earnings growth from pricing power, etc. It's all deliciously simple. But it's not that easy to execute because we all come to the table with biases. We've got a whole lot of emotional baggage from our experiences in the the market. We've got that in our head. And it's very difficult, um, even at a subconscious level, and especially at a subconscious level sometimes, to put that aside and just deliciously execute the simple. But, you know, there it is. That's the fact of it. Now, there's no question that the US rally is broadening uh, quite significantly. If if you go back a little bit in time, it was all about the tech stocks from the start of the year. The the Magnificent Seven have been propelling something like 80% 80 of the gains in the S&P, but the rally is definitely broadening. And the tech sector now has been joined by healthcare, uh, by banking, uh, and by energy. And when we look at those Sector flows in a in a few minutes. You will see just the significant change that's occurred in the last two weeks. Now the Fed, one more rate rise um, is expected, uh, so I don't think the market will react uh, poorly to that. Um, but as always, it'll be you know everyone will be watching with bated breath on every word they utter, trying to get a sense of what the future looks like. So that's going to be the key. There is a flood of earnings, we'll we'll actually accelerate, we'll see a lot more earnings in the next uh, couple of weeks uh, than we've seen in in the most recent period. Um, And as I said before, the price trends this week, I wouldn't place a lot of emphasis on them, particularly Wednesday and Thursday, uh, because it was options expiry week, and we saw a lot of abrupt changes. Sectors. And stocks that had been sold down for months miraculously turned up on big volumes and, and significant gains. Uh, and the sectors that had, that had carried the, the market forward um, got sold off quite sharply. And, and often it had nothing to do with earnings reports or, uh, or any news. So, you know, I just think you always want to take, the, um, take that third week of the month with, with a truckload of salt. All right, that's the overall perspective. American stocks, the S&P ended up rising 0.7. Um, we've got a better inflation outlook. There's no question about that. Uh, it, it might cool off, as I was saying earlier, into 2024, but at the moment, it's unquestionably better. Earnings are okay. The jobs growth is okay. If you think back a week or two, that was one of the provisors that I I put on the rally continuing and that's the jobs situation remained okay. And it has so far. And you got to wonder because the market was in a significantly net short position in the futures market um, just a few weeks ago. So how much of this rally has been short covering on, um, you know, it's, it's hard to tell, but I wouldn't dismiss that. And if it has been from short covering, then then that runs, out of, um, that runs out of momentum at some point. And, of course, there are quite high cash levels, um, and so that's, that's helping to propel the market because one of the realities is that fund managers can't afford to stand outside the market with high cash levels um, when, the, when there's a rally in progress. They just get you know, crucified in the market uh, for not being active enough. So even if they think the valuations are, um, are not what they should be, they really are forced to, uh, to put money to work in the market. The US dollar uh, edged back up again uh, to 101. The yield moved around a fair bit, but ended up pretty much steady. Uh, the VIX up just a fraction, and the 10-year, 2-year spread remains close to 1%. So the bond market is still screening recession. The equities market is saying something different. All right, let's go and look at some charts. So we'll start with uh, with the equal weight S and P. So this is just to demonstrate. So this is where uh, each of the S and P five hundred stocks are given an equal weighting in the index. So this is not um, the this is not the S and P that we that we normally would look at, which is a market cap weighted. So that means that the, the big mega, mega capped, uh, tech stocks have, um, significantly, uh, you know, overweight in their impact on the, on the actual index. So that's still going strongly. This green line here is the, um, is the 20 day moving average. Um, but, um, And so that you know, that's quite a strong trend. It's probably holding up above the eight day moving average, but the equal weight is not doing too badly either. And it's, this is the eight day, uh, simple moving average. So it's holding up quite nicely above that, looking quite strong. And if we take a look at uh, IWM, which is the Russell 2000, you can see we're we're up near um, double and triple tops. Not unusual to see perhaps a bit of pausing up here, but it's still running quite strongly as well, and it's also holding just above the eight-day moving average also. So a great deal of strength in the U.S. market, that's for sure. All right, let's look at the uh, where the money is actually going. So the Nasdaq, relative to the S and P, did cool off a little bit last week, but still a very clear and very strong. Trend to the upside, and that's, you know, that's largely because we saw a resurgence last week in some of those more defensive sectors, um, such as healthcare. This is semiconductors, also down a little bit. But look, to be honest, I'm I'm really just putting that in the options expiry basket, um, as rather than any anything more than that. Uh, I think that at this stage, a couple of days of selling in options expiry week, I'm just going to ignore it for the time being. All right, this is the uh, relative comparison between the key sectors. It's most of the U.S. sectors. So this is going back one quarter. So just to recap, technology, consumer discretionary, and communication services, the three most aggressive sectors are clearly leading over the last quarter. Then we've got finance, materials, healthcare, uh, energy, and consumer staples at the bottom. So just try and remember that order. But where it gets interesting, and I'll just go straight to the last two weeks. So we'll go to the last fortnight. And you can see that XLV, which is healthcare, has made a dramatic move to the upside. So that's huge. We've got finance has also made a very, very significant move uh, as well. Uh, And what have we got at the bottom? We've got XLK, XLC, XLY, um, consumer discretionary, and they've all. So this is basically inverted itself in uh, in the last two weeks. Energy has also made a really nice resurgence as well from being down near the bottom of the pack, and energy finished the week uh, really quite well. And if I if I went to the next to the final week, the week we've just had, then you would see that even more amplified. Um, so, you know, is that just well, what do you, what is that telling us? Is it telling us that it's just an options expiry week thing? Bit of a contrarian reversal, bit of a reversion to the mean, or is it signaling some sort of change in um in the leadership of the market? Bit early to say. Next week will be um will be important on that score. Okay. Aussie stocks, I'll go back and look at the currencies in just a minute. So the Aussie dollar, uh, 66 and a half, and our index are going to slight bit of ground. Um, but, you know, it's it's still stuck. It's still stuck where it's been for several years. Um, and the, it'll be really interesting to see the Australian market reaction to our earnings season because expectations are pretty low. They're unusually low and with good reason you know our, our economy has um has numerous um, headwinds um, some of which are still stemming from covid and um and labor shortages um, but um, you know the, the cost of energy is is starting to impact so it's it's difficult to see a really buoyant earning season in australia and so I, I don't really have much of a feel for what um for what the Australian market is going to do over the next uh, month or so at at that uh, index level, and that's why I just stay so focused on the on the sectors that have that have got the structural tailwinds, they've got the pricing power, <clears throat> and so if anyone's earnings are going to grow, it's going to be those sort of companies. Well, let's just check in on the uh, on the currencies first of all. Not a lot of movement here. This is the U.S. dollar weekly. We we broke a um, we broke a support level, but quickly rallied back into this range that has been in play basically all year since uh, since January. And if we look at uh, FXA, it's also just really tracking uh, sideways. So the A six two hundred, are we're, we're up a little bit on uh, on this sort of midpoint, which is around just under the seventy two hundred mark. Um, which is really the the, uh, the fulcrum point of all of this price movement since uh, around May of 2021, so a bit more than two years. So if you're very broadly diversified, if your portfolio reflects the ASX200, then you haven't made much ground in, uh, in that time. You've got to really get uh, quite sector and stock-specific well, I'm here. Let's just check on gold. Gold on the weekly chart, we're um, we're stuck in this range that we've been in since the huge resurgence we saw in March. So since March, we've just been stuck in this range between just a bit over 1900 and uh, basically the a triple top, the, the all time highs around 2070. And if we look on it on a daily basis, we had a We had a really nice gain in gold on Tuesday and then it just dribbled down for the rest of the week. So there's really not a lot happening. And if we look at GDXJ as a proxy for the majority of of the global gold market, you can see not much happening there. 200-day moving average is pointing up a little bit. The 50 can't make up its mind and, and the price is pretty much in line. So not a lot happening there in the gold market. And that that is uh why um I've I've always preferred, and I'll get to that in just a minute. So in Australian dollars, 2943 is where we finished with a six dollar rise over the week. But for me, it's I've always well, not always over the last several years, I have sought to gain value via development projects, world-class X-factor development projects being de-risked by the, uh, the progression of that project. And, and that gives you value uplift. I've not relied on the gold price going up to create value uplift because, I've, you know, frankly, as I've said many times, I'm just not trusting the gold price with the same level of conviction that I've got around critical minerals, for instance. So that's our situation with gold. Um, turning to other commodities, copper down fractionally, nickel back down to nine twenty eight. Look, nickel unquestionably is well out of favour, but as we know, the wheel will turn. We know the demand for nickel is going to continue increasing at a at a great rate with um, the development of of battery uh, battery applications. Uh, there is not going to be enough nickel uh, produced to to meet that in the future. They're going to have to be looking at at different sources of nickel. And, you know, the great strength that Australia has got at this point in time, we've still got that tier one global perception. If, if the current federal government keeps coming up with these weird and wonderful policies, um... I don't know how long that'll last, but at this point in time, we're still regarded as a tier one sovereign risk uh, country. Uh, then we're certainly in a, a wonderful position to to exploit that. Let's hope we get to that point before uh, the government stuffs it up. Uh, West Texas Intermediate crude uh, moved higher about a dollar dollar fifty or so to seventy six point eight three. I find it very hard to follow geopolitics in with any sort of confidence at all so for me the the crude oil sector uh, or the you know the energy um, fossil fuel sector is something to either be traded short term very clear entry of conditions very clear stop losses you know make sure that your potential reward is 3 or 4 times your risk so either do it short term or just commit to the super majors for the long term, so take a three to five year view. Commit to them um, as they inevitably will diversify their energy sources, and we're seeing a couple of those super majors now um, sort of looking um, with with great uh, interest in in the lithium sector. So they will in, inevitably find ways to join the renewable energy revolution, one way or the other. This is spot copper chart down just a fraction, nickel down a little bit more. So wrapping it all up, um, in the Australian market, there's just not going to be any free lunches in in my view. There's not going to be any easy, any easy way to do this. I think the outlook for most of our economy is going to keep shifting as those, those macro headwinds that we're encountering in our economy move around. I think a set-and-forget approach is going to be incredibly difficult unless you're someone that just completely detaches from the market and, and you know, month, month to month really don't have any idea what's going on in the market. Because if, if you're attached to the market, it's going to be very difficult psychologically to just hold a, hold a certain mix of positions, in my view. What's required is, is very focused and and flexible thinking. Be prepared to make changes if if the environment changes. Don't get stuck with a certain formula in your mind. Be prepared to recognise what the market is doing. And success is going to come from very specific focus on on stocks and sectors. And you know I've been doing that now for some time with with some degree of uh, success. Portfolio Analysts last week, uh, we looked at the outlook for semiconductors and we also looked at my watch list, my favorite watch list for Aussie gold stocks or Aussie gold developers. All right, that's it for this week. Uh, more information on the website and I'll be back with you next Sunday. Cheers.